So a pastor is caught watching porn on the big screen in the church sanctuary, and he gets fired for it. On this episode of the Grizz podcast, I want to share some thoughts on this unfortunate incident. So here we go. song dude it's classic welcome back my brothers to the grizz podcast if you're new i am your host the grizz jason george today is may the 2nd 2023 man can you believe it i apologize for not dropping an episode last week but i was in the middle of a hellacious flare-up with my lyme disease because my Lyme doctor says I pushed too hard with my exercise and everything I was doing. (laughs) I may tell you guys about that in a later episode this week. I was getting a little crazy. Sometimes, got to get a little crazy to survive. Anyway, I'm glad you're here, man. Oh, I like this part. I'm glad you're here, wherever you're at, whether you're early morning driving into work, whether it's late afternoon, evening, getting off work, man, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're listening. If you're at the gym, got the earbuds in, getting that grind on, that sweat on, good on you, my brother, good on you. Just glad you're here, man, sincerely. Thankful that you're with me. Let's get ready, get into the meat. Christians often live as practical atheists, as if God is not present with us at every moment of every day in every place. Let me say that again. We as Christians, myself included, we often live as practical atheists, 
as if God is not present with us at every moment of every day in every place. I read a story recently of a pastor who was watching porn on the big screen of the quote-unquote church sanctuary. He was caught by his youth pastor. It was in the morning. He didn't think anyone was there. And he was fired for it. Church members were appalled that their pastor would watch porn in the quote-unquote sanctuary or in quote-unquote God's house or God's temple. This story, as I read it, it made me shake my head. Now, don't get me wrong. What that pastor did was sinful, and it was definitely worthy of being removed from pastoral leadership. But the way Christians respond to such things is what makes me shake my head. Here's two reasons why I'm shaking my head. (laughs) Number one, first of all, if you'd actually read the New Testament, then you would know that God no longer dwells in any kind of quote-unquote temple or quote-unquote sanctuary made by man. So this whole idea of, I'm so appalled that this would happen in the quote-unquote sanctuary of God. God no longer dwells in any kind of temple or sanctuary that is made by man. You think that that place where this happened is more significant or more holy than some other place? Let me help you. Acts chapter 7 verses 48 and 49 says, The Most High God does not live in houses made by human hands. As the prophet says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord, or where will my resting place be? Then there's 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. I'm sure you've heard it. Pretty famous passage where it says, or do you not know that your body talking to the Christian, your body, your physical body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God. You are not your own. So as a believer in Christ, the quote-unquote church sanctuary, that building on the church property the church campus that you call the quote-unquote sanctuary or you call it the temple or you call that the house of God, that is not where God dwells. You are where God dwells. He is in your body. Your body, Christian, is his temple. That means no matter where you go, he is still there with you. And when you choose to look at perverted, sinful junk, or even think on it, you are polluting his temple because you are that temple. It doesn't matter if you're at home 
when you do that. Doesn't matter if you're at work or if you're in your vehicle or if you're in a hotel room, you are his temple. And that means he is in you. You can't escape him ever. This should be a Christian's focus and concern. This should be what's a big deal to all of us. Not a man-made building that we call the sanctuary or the temple. The second thing that makes me shake my head about this story of this pastor who was caught doing this and eventually fired is where's the grace? Where's the love for him and his family? Did the leadership of the church offer to help him or to hire someone else who could help him? Yes. Man, don't get me wrong. There needed to be loving confrontation, and there needed to be consequences, no doubt. But there also needs to be help, healing, correction, restoration. That fired pastor desperately needs that. He needs godly connection with Christian brothers He needs biblical guidance. He needs accountability. He needs encouragement. Dude, in time, (laughs) this pastor could be restored and mightily used of God to impact thousands of lives. His scars could be the bridge to someone else's broken heart, as the band Thrice so aptly says. This pastor may walk with a limp the rest of his life on earth, But in my experience, those guys make the best pastors. They've been broken. They've been humbled. They've learned something very valuable the hard way. They minister very differently. It's very real, very personal. They don't act like they're better than you. And what about the pastor's wife? Did anyone ever think to reach out to her and to help her through her hurt, shame, embarrassment, humiliation? Dude, you know she's dealing with all of that. Where is the grace and love for this pastor and his wife? Did no one read these verses that I'm about to read these verses that are in the New Testament. Did no one read these? Or did they not think that these verses apply to fallen pastors and their wives? Did they think that they only apply to just the common church folk? In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul tells the church there in the city of Corinth, how to respond to a member of the church who they had to confront and discipline over sin. So listen, they did confront this member. There was church discipline, but then Paul says, this is what needs to follow. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, starting at verse 5. Now, if anyone has caused pain, 
He has caused it not to me, but in some measure, not to put it too severely, to all of you. For such a one, this punishment by the majority is enough. So you should rather turn to forgive and comfort him, or he may be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. So I beg you to reaffirm your love for him. Man, that's powerful. He says, the punishment is enough. It's time to turn and to forgive and to comfort that brother who is totally crushed by his sin, by being exposed. He's been disciplined. Forgive and comfort. If you don't, he could be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. And Paul says, I beg you, reaffirm your love for him. Show him, tell him how much you love him. Then there's Galatians chapter 6, where it says, Brothers, if anyone, including pastors and their wives, anyone means anyone in the church. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. Man, so many of us as Christians, including myself at times, we are so quick to judge, to condemn, to gossip, to backbite. We so often look at the splinter in our brother's eye, but fail to see the two by four sticking out of our own eye. My brothers, don't be like that, dude. That's not grizzing. Stay humble. Address the sin in your own life. You know you have issues to work on. So do I. And if you do have to confront and discipline a brother in Christ, you do it in a gentle, loving way with the goal to help heal and restore that brother. If we don't do that, the world will never want what we have. This is why so many avoid church. They saw and heard sin being preached against, confronted, members disciplined, but there was no real love or grace for the sinner. Even if that sinner is a pastor, where is the love and grace? Again, don't get me wrong. Sin should be preached against. It should be lovingly confronted. And in certain situations, it may require 
discipline to help motivate the sinner to repent. But the motive of all of that must always be love and restoration. Church is a place for sinners to get help. At least it should be. It's a place for broken people to find healing and then help others find the same. Every single week, I listen and I talk with Christian guys who struggle with various issues, various addictions. Some of them have served time in prison. Some of them have lost their marriages. Some of them are about to lose marriages. Some of them have lost jobs. Some of them have lost pastoral ministry positions. It was because of their sin. But what's really cool is that through this thing that we started, our weekly online climb team meetings, these guys have found a place where they can be raw, they can be real, they can be vulnerable, they're safe to not have it all together. It's a no BS zone. They found a place to be accepted. They found a place to connect. They found a place to learn, to heal, to grow, to be lovingly kicked in the ass, but also prayed for and encouraged by brothers in Christ who need them to do the same back to them. You know, God loves us just the way we are, but he won't leave us the way we are. And we need a group of brothers from other mothers to do the same, to love us just the way we are, but to say, man, I'm not content for you to stay the way you are. I'm going to do all I can to help you change Heal, grow, transform, be a man of impact, be successful in life. Last night at 9 p.m., I was in one of our climb team meetings, and man, it was powerful. Just listening to guys share. I just sat there, like I talked a little bit, but then I just sat there and listened to guys. Last night, they were giving a summary of their life as if their obituary was being read by a family member or a friend. That was their homework for the week. They had to come up with a one-page uh, summary of basically their life and obituary. What would they once said at a funeral or a memorial service? At one point, listening to the guys, I was choked up just listening to these broken men share their struggles, their failures, but also their fight for recovery, healing, transformation. I'm right there with them. They are my people. 
They are my tribe. I get them. They get me. I'm grateful to be a part of their recovery. And I'm grateful that they're also part of mine. Do you have a tribe like that? That you're part of? You need one. But do you really want one? Do you want a tribe like that? I recognize that it is difficult, almost impossible many times to find that kind of thing inside of a church. There may be a men's prayer breakfast, a men's conference, but a lot of it stays so surface. Or it's just one-sided. Somebody's teaching, preaching, handing you a book, a notebook, just as if all you need is more information. Information is important. Guidance, truth, understanding, all of it's important. But you need more than that. I want you to check out our climb teams. We offer three right now. Hoping to do more in the future. We have one on Monday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, they meet online via Zoom. That's how guys show up from all over the country. There's one on Wednesday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern. That one is specifically more geared towards pastors, youth pastors, ministry leaders that are struggling. Then we have one Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern. To learn more, you can go to our website, narrowtrail.com. You can click on our Climb Team page. It'll tell you all about Climb Teams. And you can even see what the guys in the Climb Teams are saying about the impact that Climb Teams are having in their lives. There's also a short online application that you can fill out. You can submit it right online. So... That's it for this episode of the Grizz Podcast, my brothers. Please take a minute, leave us a rating, a review, wherever you listen. And if you want to connect with me, my email and my social links are in the show notes. My email is info at narrowtrail.com. If you send an email there, I'll definitely get it. Info at narrowtrail.com. The Grizz Podcast is an outreach of Narrow Trail Ministries Incorporated. We are a legit 501c3 nonprofit ministry, and we would not exist without the faithful support of listeners just like you. If it's possible for you to give a $10 or $20 monthly donation to our ministry, dude, that'd be a huge blessing. Or you can make a one-time donation to our ministry. Dude, that's how we function. That's how we roll. 
because of listeners just like you who say, yo, man, this ministry is a blessing to me. I want to be a blessing back to it. We couldn't do it without them. So you can go to our website to do that, narrowtrail.com. Click on the give page. You can set all of that up with your credit, your debit card, or right from a bank account. I promise it's safe. It's secure. It's extremely easy. You can set it up for recurring giving, uh, and you can cancel at any time. For those of you who do give monthly to the Grizz podcast or just to our ministry in general, Narrow Trail Ministries, I don't say it enough, but thank you. 